All right. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. <clears throat> I got prayed for too, so. I had shoulder issue too, Kristen. So, like when I'm like, you got healed, I might as well get healed too, right? You know? Come on now. <laughs> I want to read the scripture again that I read earlier. And it really applies to what we just were, were doing. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Or feel. Not on what I feel. Not on, not even, not on what I'm experiencing. You know, so many times we, we base reality uh, on just everything that's going on with us. And... I mean, isn't that crazy that we're so kind of arrogant to think that we can know what all reality is just by experiencing our thoughts and our feelings? I mean, that's, it's really kind of, you know, that's why God says, hey, no, 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 you, you, need, to, you need to lift your eyes. You need, to, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. There, there's reality. Jesus is Perfect theology. Jesus is the reality of, of who God is. Jesus is what, what, what the reality looks like uh, for humanity. You want to you know what humanity looks like? Read the Gospels and look at Jesus. That's a human. That's, that's what we were created to be like. That's what we're supposed to look like. You have to stop telling, oh, well, I'm just a, a poor sinner and I'm just going to... Well, if you're just going to... Believe that, then you're going to live that. You will, according to your faith, will it be done to you. Well, I'm just never going to get whatever. What, you know what? You're right. God has empowered you as a child of God. He's given you authority. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're now a child of God. We sang for like 45 minutes about that. <laughs> you know you're at a spirit-filled church when you can sing one song for 40 minutes. I don't think it was even really 40 minutes, but... <clears throat> It doesn't matter where you lose track of time. I hope you lose track of time. I lose track of time in worship. I look up and go, oh, I can preach. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some weeks ago, oh, maybe I shouldn't preach. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's just, just what, what he's saying. Fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So if you're a child of God, that means you're a believer in Jesus. That means you have authority. And so when you begin to declare things, they happen. And so if you're declaring things like, well, I'm just never going to make it, then guess what? Your words have power. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And so you have to, you have to train your tongue sometimes. You have to retrain your thoughts. It says to renew your mind, be transformed, Romans 12, 2, by the renewing of your mind. You have to think differently about your life situations. You have to think differently about your body. If you're facing healing, you have to think differently about sickness. You have to think different, differently about trials and tribulations. You have to think differently about uh, successes. Everything. You have to renew your mind. You have to change the way you think. People should look at you and go, what are you thinking? In a good way. <laughs> I mean, we've all had somebody say that to us in a negative way. What are you thinking? <laughs> Or what were you thinking? Uh, hey, what if some people started asking you, what are you thinking? Because it's so like, good. 
So it, it's so God. It's so something they've never thought of before. Because you're fixing your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, there's something that lasts. The things of God last. The things of God's kingdom are eternal. And so we're going to fix our eyes upon them. What is going to carry on into eternity? What in my life, what am I doing right now that's not just for now, it's for, for all eternity? I mean, that's amazing that you can affect something for eternity. We talked last week, uh, some of you weren't here, but we talked about the life of a guy named uh, Ananias in Acts 9. Was it 9? Is it 9? Acts chapter 9, yes, thank you. For some reason, I'm thinking 11. It's Acts chapter 9, where Saul, who's killing Christians and who's the enemy of God, uh, encounters Jesus and has a blinding light, and there's a guy named Ananias that is sent by God to pray for him, and we never hear about him again, but he just does what he's supposed to do, and it had an eternal effect, because he fixed his eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. You know, this week, um, and I've been with a lot of different people and situations, and heard about people and situations, I mean... If life is going on for just the few people that I've had contact with, so many different things are going on. Some are great, some are horrible, some are in between, some are confusing, some are fearful, some are times of celebration, some are times of sorrow and mourning. And, you know, you've got all these human experiences, and all this is going on all at once for people all around us. Sometimes the things that are unseen are just the things we can't see because of our human limitation. You know, I can't see uh, what's in somebody's heart unless God shows me, of course, if I get a supernatural revelation. But apart from that, in the physical, I can't just look at somebody and know what's going on in their life, know the challenges they're facing, who knows what they're going through. That's something that's unseen unless they bring it into the seen realm, they share it with me. Here's someone who's suffering unseen by anyone else it's you can't tell on the outside all the time sometimes our faces are you know if you're a more expressive person sure we might be able to tell but we still don't know what's going on i i still don't know what's really going on inside your heart unless you open up your heart and share it with me and so when we are fixing our eyes on the the scene and the unseen sometimes it's just saying okay god what's going on behind the scenes here what can I do in, the, in this conversation right here to bring life? What can I do to bring a change? What can I do to bring the power of the gospel right now? The power of the good news. There's good news right now. There's good news. Every time you're talking to somebody, guess what? There is good news. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter what situation or what someone's facing. There's always good news. That was kind of weak. Yeah. I know. I'm quiet too. I'm not like the amen type either. So you were saying amen. It was unseen. Okay. It was the unseen. The unseen amen. (laughs) And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we have to do that with people. We have to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Ananias did that. With Saul in Acts chapter 9, as I was mentioning. Everybody else saw that Saul was a persecutor of Christians, a destroyer of the church, a hateful man. 
But what was unseen was this, that God had called him to be a chosen one to bring breakthrough to the entire world. So that the scene was murderer, uh, hateful person, opposer, you know, uh, religious spirit. The unseen was grace and breakthrough and the gospel coming to nations on the earth. And so we have to decide whether we're going to agree with what's seen or what's unseen in someone else's life. Because there's always going to be seen stuff that I can see that I'm going like, that's not the reality. That's not what God created you to be. It says, you know, we were formed together in our mother's womb. Man, what a powerful passage from Jeremiah chapter 1, right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1 that my wife read and just kind of reads the word of God. And is like, whoa, what is going on here? We're not going to be able to play the guitar and the drums anymore. It's just the, the presence of, of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, it's like, hey, in your mother's womb, you were formed. You know, God says, hey, look, I, I was there. I was there. Got to celebrate a, a new birth this week uh, with uh, Daniel and, and Kim Ruska. And uh, if you haven't heard, you can keep praying for the baby. She, uh, Olivia had a cleft palate. She's born with a cleft palate and having, she's learning to eat. And so she's getting stronger each and every day. And once she's strong enough to eat on her own with for a consistency, she can go home. But right now she's in the NICU. So uh, we love seeing babies come out of NICU. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So be praying for Olivia. If you did not get that word somehow, um, be praying for Olivia and Daniel and Kim. But, uh, you know, Olivia was just in her mother's womb on Tuesday. And then Tuesday evening... She was out of her mother's womb. But the first time she showed up in Kim's womb, he was there. And he knew things about her that no one else knows. It's the same for all of us. If he formed us together, it says in Psalm 139, that we were, we were formed in the secret place, that in our mother's womb, before... You, we were born that he knew us then that means every single person the the first the first interaction they have in this world is with god the first interaction you have when you become a human is god in the womb that's not in the notes that's good <laughs> i might want to write that down <clears throat> that's amazing and so that means every single person has something that God is depositing and speaking and and just declaring over over them even before they come out of their mother's womb. And so my job now is to get connected to the unseen realm so that I can come into agreement with what God has already declared over this life. You know, there's all kinds of other things that are happening in our lives. Yeah, there's sin, there's all kinds of brokenness, there's really stupid choices that you all have made, uh, and I've made too, I'm not pointing the finger, I'm just saying we've all made a lot of stupid choices. Uh, there's all kinds of things where we've run away from God, there's, we've, we've, you know, we've, we've done hurtful things to other people, all this is factored in, but yet there's still this thing where God says, no, I was there when you, when you started, 
And I have things that nobody else can see, and maybe you can't even see, but they're there because I put them there. When God encounters someone, when he comes up and has an encounter with someone, it's amazing some of the things he does. So I want us to look real quickly. We're just going to look quickly at a couple of them. Uh, And we're going to just kind of continue on where we are, just looking at people, finding that person. Last week we talked about finding one person and letting God speak to us about one person. So turn to Judges chapter 6. One person that God wants you to pour into maybe. One person that God wants you to pray for and speak truth to and be a friend to, be a listening ear to. Whatever it is God's calling you to do with them. Uh, He's going to have to be the one to tell you. And so I want to look at Gideon first. Uh, Gideon is in Judges chapter 6. One of my stories I've I've referenced probably several times. God's spoken to me from it many times in my life. And so Judges, real quickly, just to summarize it, is the people of God are, are... They follow God, and then they don't follow God. They follow God, and then He sends someone to help them get back to Him and deliver them and free them. And they get get in bondage again, and He he sets them free. And so again, they're in bondage. Uh, They are slaves to the the Midianite people. And it says that, uh, that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay? He wasn't, you know, normally you don't do that. Okay? Just... For all of you who are not into threshing wheat or wine presses like me, okay, I just I know that you don't you don't take the wheat into the wine press to thresh it, okay, to to separate it, to get it out and and have it be something useful. Uh, in a wine press, you put grapes in and you stomp on them and you you press them out to get all the juice out. That's what they're for. But he was hiding there because of the oppression he was in a place of of fear he was in a place of confusion he was in a place of doubt and it says i want us to look at verse 11 it says that god comes up to him and it's the angel of the lord which usually when it says the angel of the lord in the old testament it's jesus uh i won't explain that today but i just always like to mention that the angel of the lord uh and we know that because he receives worship no regular angels in the Bible ever receive worship. Okay? They always say, no, worship God. So verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abies, right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he was living in fear. He was hiding. He was... Uh, you know, in oppression and bondage. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And uh, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. (laughs) That's what it says in the NIV or this version of the NIV. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Did you notice how Gideon deflected from himself to the us? Because he showed up and said, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And he says, well, we, (laughs) there's all this stuff happened to us, God. 
And he's like, no, I'm talking about you. The Lord is with you. And so what was unseen in Gideon's life was that he is a mighty warrior. And the Lord is with him. Of course, what happens in this story is Gideon begins to act upon the unseen. He begins to live instead of in his past reality, he lives in his future reality. He begins to live as a mighty warrior. And what begins to happen? Things that happen around mighty warriors. Okay? So, when I can't, we're making the analogy, when I'm in relationship with, with someone else in their life, I need to come into agreement with what God has spoken over their life. I don't, I'm not concerned with how they're acting. I'm not looking at their behavior. I'm not looking at what they're saying or doing with their mouth. I'm saying, God, what is in the unseen realm for this person? You know, Gideon was as far from a mighty warrior as you could find. I mean, you know, everybody else would have said, Gideon is a scared wuss. <laughs> or whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, that's appropriate and not sinful. Okay, um, so... And God shows up and says, no, you're a mighty warrior. I mean, we need to hear it for ourselves too, but I'm making the application of me coming alongside. Because all of us have stuff going on all week. Just like all the people I came into contact with this week, I'm thinking, man, this is just one week of life for a few people. Can you imagine what's going on all around us? Not just in your life, but in other people's lives. There's so many things happening. There's so much going on. I don't know if it's different than any point in history because there's always been unique challenges for every, you know, every season of history. But man, we're in a unique challenge right now with all this stuff coming at us from all kinds of places, all kinds of information, all kinds of news. We know more about the world and what's going on in the world than anybody else in the history of humanity. And you know what? It's killing us. People are... People have a higher anxiety rate than ever. You know they say, this is free here, you know they say that with kids, the more screen time they have, the more likely they are to be anxious or depressed. Like that at a young age, something begins to happen to your mind physically. This is not spiritual. This is just all physical. This is all science. That if you get too much time with screens, then something begins to happen in your mind. And most, you know what? Right now, in young people, there's more anxiety and depression than ever. It's something to think about, just a practical thing. I mean, I get stuck to this thing too. And I get right after church, you get home, you're like, I want to relax. Let's let's. Let's turn this on and do something with it, right? <laughs> it's the first thing. I'm like, uh, it's a bad habit. And so, uh, you know, because, again, what, it's not interacting with reality. I'm, I'm cutting myself off to reality. And so, uh, anyway, that was free. So, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let's think about David. First Samuel 16. Uh, do you want to turn there? Is it warm in here or is it like really... Is it nice in here, Josie? 
<laughs> Must be hot. <laughs> Woo. Um, 1 Samuel 16, this is the anointing of David. I'm going to do these two real quick here. So it's, it's going to be, there's one point to this message. So the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse at Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel says, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. And so, uh, verse four, it says, Samuel did what the Lord said. And he arrived and he said, hey, come to a sacrifice. I'm summarizing some of this for the sake of time. Uh, so then Jesse brings his sons. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab seen. He saw him. Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look at the unseen, basically is what he says. Don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What happens here? They bring all the sons, and they get to the last son who didn't even get invited, who possibly is an illegitimate son, according to many scholars, that he was kind of the, the reject of the family. That's why, you know, when Jesse came and said, I got all my sons, he's like, well, he doesn't really count. And so then he says, bring him here. David shows up. What happens? Samuel connects with the unseen. There he is. This is the man after my own heart. Who's going to lead a whole kingdom. I mean, all of his brothers at this point are like. Yeah, right. I mean, we don't know what David was like. He might have been like the annoying little brother. You have an annoying little, I have an annoying little brother. <laughs> he's not annoying anymore. He's grown out of that, thankfully, since he's 40. Um, <laughs> that's when I felt old. I'll tell you, not when I turned 40, but when my little brother turned 40. Now I'm old. Okay. Uh, you know what? David may have been, David was probably nothing like any of the things that were spoken over him, but the unseen said this, here's the guy after my own heart. Every interaction God had with David, God came to David as if he was already the king. See, when God comes to interact with you or someone else you're ministering to, he's not coming to them where they are right now. He comes to them and says, who are they called to be and what's going to happen when they follow me in my life? And so he's not coming, okay, well, this person's all, they're trapped in this, they're making stupid choices, oh my goodness, what's going on with them? Is there any hope for them? And God says, no, hey, guess what? They're going to do this, this, and this. This is who they are. And God starts interacting with them as if they're already there. Because he's interacting with the unseen, he's in the unseen realm, he, he, he controls the unseen realm. And so he is coming at them and saying, no, this is, this is who they are, and he always interacts with us not by our past or our present, but by our future. And so my job when I'm interacting with someone is say, where is God taking this person? Not where are they now? Yeah, we have to address stuff. We're not talking about not using correction or 
Any of that stuff? No, you have to do that. But you're doing that with a vision to say, this is a mighty warrior. This is a king. This is an influencer. This is, a, this is one who's called to do great things for me. I'm connecting with the unseen. I'm not focusing my eyes on what is seen. Man, this person is a horrible husband and father right now. And God says, hey, guess what? That person's going to love people and they're going to be changed by their love. He's going to like... Usually God shows up and does something totally un, unimaginable for someone. Man, I was like one of the shyest kids you'll ever meet. I mean, really. When I was, I, I was so quiet when I was young. Can I tell you this? Uh, my dad tells a story that says he took me to get a, my, my first haircut. And I was like, what, like three or something? And I just sat there. And didn't move. I let the guy cut my hair. And the guy cutting my hair said, Hey, is your, is your son okay? I've never had a kid just sit here like this and not try to move around. I mean, he thought I was mentally incapacitated. I was so quiet. And so he's like, is there something wrong with him? Well, he's just, no, he's, that's, that's him. And so God says, hey, guess what? I'm going to make you to be a guy who speaks in front of people. <laughs> You're, you're going to lead things, you're going to do stuff, and, you know, it's so like, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Who? That's, that's the way he works. Hey, one, you want one more? Let's go one more. John chapter 1, the New Testament. Jesus was always meeting people and kind of just declaring over the, who they were. Uh, it says in John chapter 1 that Jesus is meeting the disciples. He's, he's having interactions with them, and you know, he runs into, who is it, John the Baptist and uh, Philip and Andrew and Peter. Um, and they have these, these friends named uh, Philip and Nathaniel is who they, who they find. Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, listen to what Jesus says. The first thing he says over Nathaniel is this. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said, how do you know me? <laughs> in other words, this is his first meeting. And this guy's declaring stuff. And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. In other words, he was sitting under a fig tree when Philip said, hey, come meet this guy named Jesus. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Which is a really fast transition. Don't, don't you see that right there? That Nathaniel just right away, Jesus speaks into his life and he declares his lordship right there. You are the son of God. I mean, whoa. Just one word from Jesus can change everything, right? Where you are brought to the place. And Jesus says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. In other words, he's going to see open heaven. There's going to be amazing stuff going on where heaven is coming to earth in his life. And Nathaniel, everybody else may have been thinking about Nathaniel like, this is the dude that just sits around waiting around for something to happen under a tree. He's never going to do anything. Maybe Nathaniel was always the guy playing jokes. They're like, man, we can't ever know if this guy's telling the truth or not. He's always fooling us. And Jesus shows up and said, here's someone who has no deceit in their life. Everybody, and I'm just conjecturing here. We don't know, we don't really hardly hear anything about Nathaniel. 
But we don't know. Everybody else been like, who is this guy? This, that's not who that he is. But Jesus says, no, this is who they are. You know, when I was uh, in high school, my senior year of high school, uh, I still remember um, a guy named Jerry Deerman coming to our youth group. See, we had our youth pastor leave. We had a youth group of about 10 or 15 kids. So we can probably relate to that here. So we had youth group about 10 or 15 kids. Now, Jerry was a youth pastor and he had... He was over at another church. He had hundreds of kids coming to his youth group. Okay, he was, you know, the big time man. You know, two, three hundred youth coming to his youth services, and so somehow he came to our youth group for six weeks on a Sunday night, six straight weeks. And I'll tell you what, that's the most interaction I've ever had with him, other than hearing him preach or watching him do DVD studies or hearing him speak at a convention, but. Man, that guy spoke into my life in six weeks. I mean, everything he said over me, I could, every time we would be at, after youth group, he'd be talking to me and said, man, this is going to be a good year. God's going to do stuff in you. He's, he's going to release, God has a calling on your life. He, he's, you know, he's going to use you to do amazing things. You need to believe him for all this stuff. I mean, he was always, he's a faith guy, man. He's just the, he just lives and breathes faith. Uh, he lived and breathed faith so much that I thought he was a heretic. So, <clears throat> you know, I was just like. <clears throat> and so he's just speaking to me. It's just like, man, six weeks. And it wasn't like all week. It was just one night. But I'll never forget those six weeks. I even remember some of the stuff he preached on. That's a miracle right there. If you remember what somebody preached, because I guarantee you that most of you people have been here for 11 years, you don't remember but one or two sermons. And I preached probably three to four hundred. <laughs> yeah, probably. When you encourage someone, when you speak into their life, when you touch something that came from them in their mother's womb, where God was in that moment, you're lining up with the unseen, and it sparks something, they'll never forget it. So I believe that's what Jerry was doing in that moment, was he was, he was coming into alignment with what the Spirit of God did, even before I was born, there was a calling on my life. And Jerry, it wasn't super specific, I mean, he wasn't like doing this amazing prophecy, but he was seeing something in my life, and he was speaking encouragement to it. It says this in Hebrews 3 and verse 13. Put that one on the screen so I don't misquote it. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know... Think about this. Every single person needs encouragement daily. Is it today? If you wake up and it's today, find somebody to encourage. Okay? If, it's, if you're living in today, and I guarantee you, it's, it's amazing. Every day is today. Encourage one another daily. Find that person that God has called you to speak, you know, that God has put on your heart or your mind. And maybe send them a text, give them a phone call, send them an email that they'll check in three weeks. <laughs> maybe don't send them an email. Okay, um, com- you know, communicate somehow with them encouragement. Give them a scripture. You know, just 
Just call them up and say, I was thinking about you and I really just enjoyed the last time we had a conversation. Find something to encourage them about. Speak life and even further is just pray that God connects you with the unseen and what's going on in their life. I want to line up. That's what the prophetic does too. When we speak prophetic words, when we receive something from God to share with someone else, that's what, that's a prophetic word, a message where we are coming into alignment with what heaven says about somebody else. It may not be in existence right in the moment. It may not look like it. You might not see it. There may be no evidence at all that you can perceive except in your spirit. When you line up with the spirit of God, he says, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. I'm bringing them to this place. I'm calling them to this. Encourage one another daily. It says in Timothy that Paul was a mentor for Timothy. And he said, hey, remember all those things that we spoke over you when we prayed for you. Call those things to mind. Because they were coming into alignment and agreement with what is unseen. Encouragement is one of the greatest ways where we can come into alignment with what God is doing in the unseen. Because he always wants to give people courage. And we had two people today that just stood up and said, if you, I'm going to just be brave and step out. You know, I, I appreciate Jake saying, you know what, this is what, we're, just, we're not going to just say, oh, if there's a little bit of sickness here, we're going to pray for it. No, we're going to go all in and say, no, we're going to name the, these debilitating diseases and say, we're going to go for it today. Because that's what happened in his mother's womb When the Holy Spirit met Jake the first time, he said, guess what? You're going to see miracles. You're going to have a heart for healing. You're going to have the heart of heaven for people. And we're declaring it's going to continue to grow in you. Because that is what is unseen. And it's becoming seen. The unseen does become seen when God manifests the kingdom of God. So let's stand. So the message is the same as last week. Find somebody and release something in their life. Encourage them. If you're like, God, I'm not hearing anything from you, just encourage. It's never wrong to encourage somebody. Don't lie. (laughs) But you can prophesy. You can say, man, I really think this is going to happen in your life. I think God's going to work this in you. Uh, you know, I see this. Find something good and encourage what you see. Anything of, of, that's godly, anything you're like, hey, there's a God-given gift in this person. Every single person has something that's been God-given. We've been created in the image of God. So there's always something I can find in someone, the worst person you can think of. There's something in them right in that moment where I go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line up with what this person was created to be. There may be a time where I need to address all the stuff that's not God's creation and confront that, but let's start with the encouragement. Let's start with speaking life so that something begins to grow in them and maybe it'll just grow and just crush all that other stuff. The same that happened with Gideon and David and Nathaniel and all the other people that you can think of in your life that has spoken in your life. Man, can we all, can everybody remember when somebody just spoke something over you? Just, just, you remember it. You're like, man, that, I just needed that and it, and it changed my life. Exactly. We all remember those moments. And so guess what? Go ahead and give out some of those moments. 
So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now once again, if there's any person, maybe there's a different person this week you're calling to. Lord, maybe there's just someone this week that you want us to touch. Maybe you want us to keep pouring into this one person over and over and over again for years. But we want to be open to what you're saying and what you're doing. I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts and our perception to the unseen realm that we might line up with what the Holy Spirit is doing, what is being released in the kingdom. Lord, that we can see many more mighty warriors and people of influence and ones with who will see heaven open, Lord, released in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Go do it. Go do it.